0: is Bloomberg Surveillance. To say that there's not even a 50-50 chance that the Fed raises rates by the end of the year I think is a gross underestimation of the U.S. economy. I think the strong dollar story still holds. It's just a question of really what's the broad macro thematic that's driving it.
1: We are believing that there is a global recession, meaning the global economy is growing at
0: slower than potential. Absolutely no question about it. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio.
2: Good morning. I'm Michael McKee. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street. It's 6 a.m. in Cushing, Oklahoma, where all that oil in storage tanks is worth more this morning. And that has investors in a much better mood. Will it last? Well, that is our question on surveillance this morning. West Texas Intermediate is at $27.52, that's a 5% gain over yesterday's close. Brett crude at 31.55 also up by 5% and that has equity investors smiling or at least buying. Stock 600 is up 6 points in Europe right now. That is a 2% gain on the day. The DAX is up 151 Points on the day: one and three quarters percent. The CAC 40 in Paris up 58 points, 1.4 percent. European GDP comes in as forecast, a three-tenths gain, one one point five percent gain for the year, which is the equivalent to forecast, but does show that uh, the European economy is not rolling over. The U.S. economy apparently not rolling over either. At least that's the mood this morning. S&P futures up by 20 points, 1.1%. Dow futures 149 points higher. We'll call that 1% as well. And NASDAQ 100 e-mini futures up 44 points. That is a 1.1% gain. As we see stocks rise, we watch bonds fall and yields move higher, 1.69%, your 10-year note yield. The five-year, 1.15% and 65 basis points for the two-year. The whole curve still somewhat depressed. Uh, German two-year notes uh, rising as well. The yield uh, is now 54, negative 54 basis points. And we have seen currencies turn as well. The dollar index a little bit higher this morning, 95 1.756. Point seven five six. The yen is a little bit uh, stronger on the day. 112.58. The euro a little weaker. 112.79. The pound going for 145.37. Tom.
3: Yeah. Good morning, Michael. You're right. It's a little green on the screen. I just looked, um, uh, folks. Let me do this. Bloomberg Surveillance on this Friday, brought to you by Investco. Investing isn't about meeting benchmarks. It's about achieving goals. Find out how Invesco's high-conviction approach can help. Visit Invesco.com slash high-conviction. Michael, while you were going through the the very deserved and true optimism that's out there, I just put up a fancy chart of the S&P 500. I'm putting it out on Bloomberg Radio Plus. And it's amazing with an 1829 close and futures up 20, 1845 how much further we have to go to begin to diminish the technical damage starting on or about February 4th. I mean, it's amazing, the carnage of the last couple of days. We see that in the equity markets. And, Michael, um, the same risk on feel in the foreign exchange markets, which brings us to Jane Foley of RoboBank.
2: Yeah, Um it, it, obviously, uh, we get the the quickest reaction to turns in the markets in foreign exchange. And so, Jane, I should ask you, what happens next? Uh, but given the crazy volatility we've seen this year so far, I guess the real question is, how would you know what happens next?
4: Well, exactly. And, and I think we have some sort of clue next week when, of course, China comes back from its Lunar New Year holiday. Now, of course... Uh, The Chinese stock market is widely expected to to open lower, but beyond that, what sort of signal are they going to give us? Now, one positive for China that you could argue is the fact that whilst the dollar has come off its its recent highs and whilst that is painful for central banks such as the Bank of Japan and and the ECB, actually, it's very welcome for the Chinese because it means that their effective exchange rate, which, of course, their, their, their currency is a defective peg against the dollar, so whilst the dollar comes lower, so does the, the effective exchange rate of China. So they have at least a little bit of, of, of hope that it should relieve some of the uh, pressure or some of the speculation that they need to devalue against the, the U.S. dollar. So that's going to be an interesting contrast, I, I think, um, next week, but, but certainly how... Uh, the Chinese markets open after the Lunar New Year is likely to provide the next set of signals for for global markets.
2: That's a very interesting point because everything that's happened this week has happened without the Chinese involved. Uh, Do we normally see distorted moves in Chinese markets after they come back from the long Lunar New Year holiday because they've been away? I mean, are we going to be able to take whatever happens Monday as any kind of actual
4: sign? No, I, I think, first and foremost, we, they, they will pay catch-up. And, of course, we saw that in, in uh, Japanese, uh, sorry, Hong Kong markets when they, they opened uh, yesterday. The Hong Kong Hang Seng, of course, sank much lower. There was a, um, a movement back in, into the yen on the back of that, and perhaps on the back of tensions in Korea, too. Uh, and it will be interesting to see if the Chinese stock markets open Below where people expect them to, certainly they will open down as a, as a catch up move. But are they going to provide fresh, fresh signals or, or not?
3: What is your observation off the desk, Jane? The reason we speak to you is you've got a strange purview at Rabobank, where you, you know, you see the trading, the hedging that's going on, things away from the, the media hysteria about foreign exchange. What is your observation of this week?
4: Well, I think you know the observation this week. I, I think we've seen a. a really the coming together of an awful lot of worries that many analysts have been talking about really for some time. And quite simply, if we look at the stock market correction, many analysts were saying two years ago that the rally in global stocks was was becoming disjointed relative to market fundamentals. And now it seems that equity markets, asset prices, perhaps are waking up to the fact that, Cheap money is not a cure-all for all of the world's ills. We are here still with low inflation in in most developed economies, slow growth. And what's going to happen next? It's it's not a particularly happy uh, outlook then again, we've got to be careful not to talk ourselves into a a, a cycle of gloom because there are better signs out there in terms of there is growth still in the U.S. economy, there is growth in the U.K. economy, uh, and and we really must be aware of the the better signs that we have as well.
3: Do you require government leadership now and coordinated action, or is that premature?
4: Well, you know what, I've been saying for for a while that governments, I think, uh, are... Uh, uh, particularly in Europe where we have of course so soon we're, we're just sort of recovering really from uh, the, the crisis in, in the Eurozone governments have to play a really important part and what we've seen over the last couple of years or a really year, year and a half particularly in Europe is a move towards the far left and a move towards the far right which is a protest against austerity people getting very tired with austerity people getting very tired of wealth inequality income inequality those sorts of themes and I think over the next five years or so uh, there is going to be movement In in governments, in a response uh, to the the fact that the effects of the global financial crisis are still being felt uh, in in people's pockets.
2: Do we now uh, look to, as Tom says, the the governments uh, or at least the central banks to bail us out? Or uh, have the markets lost faith in their ability to do that? Or is it too soon
4: to tell? Markets certainly are losing faith. I mean, a couple of years ago, it seemed as if cheap money, you know, was going to be uh, the answer to all our, our prayers. And, and now, uh, in this far from the financial crisis, markets are beginning to, to speculate that, that there really is run, uh, the central banks are running out of road, that interest rates are pretty much on the floor, uh, that quantitative easing has its problems, it can create problems as, as well as uh, alleviate some. And therefore, where do central banks go from now? And, and that sort of attitude really is, is really very dangerous. Um, because here we are with, with record levels of monetary policy stimulus, a huge amount of, of cheap money, and yet we don't have inflation. So what is going to bring some of these price right. pressures and, and bring some demand? It's very difficult to know.
3: Jane, the American philosopher Douglas Cass is quoting Byron Ween this morning, the acclaimed market observer. Mr. Ween, quote, disasters have a way of not happening. Can you be optimistic off the Rabel Bank desk this morning, or are you still under the proverbial desk?
4: Well, you know, I think it is important that we do look at the, the, the positives here, because I think... Over the last few months in particular, we have, or maybe the markets as a whole, have concentrated on on the risks, on the downsides. The fact of the matter is that U.S. unemployment is below 5%. The fact of the matter is that there are some signs of of wage growth. The fact of the matter is that the services sector is is growing well, similar in in the U.K. too. Um, There is growth in in the Eurozone. So I think it's important perhaps to to remind ourselves uh, that there are positives as well.
3: Jane, thank you so much, particularly thank you for your coverage through the last uh, 10 days. She is with RoboBank. Coming up, Stephen Major of HSBC. will speak to him about a yield of 1.67%. Of course, we had a 150 handle. That has been his arch call, his outlier major bank call. Steve Major uh, has been of most interest here uh, with an exceptionally cautious view on global aggregate demand and how it folds over into equities, bonds. Currencies, commodities. As Michael mentioned, not only risk on, but more risk on in the last hour. West Texas twenty-seven forty. Brent crude positively lofty, thirty-one forty-eight, up a dollar forty-two. And even gold on a tear finally gives it up. I don't want to make too much of it, but I'll take down nine dollars the ounce, twelve thirty-nine uh, the ounce to be something. Yen one twelve sixty-eight. Uh, and again, futures up twenty. Dow futures up hundred and forty-five.
2: 710 on Wall Street, time to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael?
5: Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Diplomats agreed today to accelerate and expand deliveries of humanitarian aid to besieged Syrian communities beginning this week. They also agreed to work toward a temporary cessation of hostilities in Syria's civil war. But the main goal of lasting ceasefire eluded foreign ministers from the International Syria Support Group meeting in Germany. The World Health Organization says it will be weeks to a few months before a firm link can be established between the Zika virus and abnormally small heads in newborn children. But it appears the connection is more and more probable. The WHO also says a Zika vaccine is at least 18 months away. New York City Police Officer Peter Liang has been convicted of manslaughter in the 2014 shooting death of Akai Gurley in a dark public housing stairwell. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks
3: so much. Greatly appreciate it. Again, green on the screen. Futures up 20. Stay with us. Stephen Major of HSBC. The yield, 1.69%.
2: Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer. When it comes to winter elements, put your best four wheels forward with Mercedes-Benz Fourmatic all-wheel drive. Visit your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State Dealer for a test drive today.
0: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app and on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
6: And I'm Karen Moskow. This update is brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at nria.net. Global equities are showing signs of a respite after a turbulent week with European stocks rising, so are U.S. stock index futures, and oil advancing from a 12-year low. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-Mini Futures up 19 points. Dow E-Mini Futures up 142. NASDAQ E-Mini Futures up 41. The DAX in Germany is up 1.7%. Ten-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds. The yield 1.67%. NYMEX crude oil up 4.5% or $1.17 to 27 dollars twenty seven thirty eight a barrel. COMEX Gold down tenths percent or $9.10 to 12.3870 an ounce. The euro $1.12.75. The yen one twelve point six eight. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
3: Uh, Karen, thanks so much. We've had any number of good people who have predicted low interest rates, but it's much different when you're at a major bank. Stephen Major works for HSBC, which is decidedly a major bank, and he joins us now. Stephen Major, give us one vignette of grief you put up with when you called for lower interest rates. Just give us one story.
7: Uh, there are quite a few, but it, <laughs> it strikes me that, that uh, there's a fair bit of shock. And um, the, the first thing that people say is, uh, have you made some kind of misprint? Uh, yeah. is, is it the wrong number? So the, the, I have had calls to that effect, Tom. Uh, yeah. But most people are, are ask, why do you have a bond yield that's below your nominal GDP forecast? That is the classic uh,
3: Okay, I like that. And Uh, and the fact is nominal GDP is, let's say it's 6% down to 4% down below that. Why was a 150 below where nominal is?
7: Well, the thing is it's structural factors that determine where the 10-year rate will be. And it is a 10-year rate. It's a complex weighted average of discounted cash flows back to present value, right? So it's not about the forecast for GDP this year and next year, because a year-on-year GDP move is not the same as a 10-year rate, is it? So, so the, the structural factors, the long-term things like debt overhang, um, if you like demographics, these factors are what drive bond yields, not the short-term cyclical patterns. And I think the Fed and others have probably been underestimating the importance of the longer-term drivers of bond markets.
2: Well, that sounds a lot like Ray Dalio suggesting we're at the end of a a long-term bond market cycle.
7: Well, I don't know whether that's the case. I think uh, all the evidence is there for negative rates to be pushed even further. And there's a fairly self-serving commentary building against negative rates. You have to be careful with that. I mean, obviously, it doesn't do anybody any good. Turkeys don't vote for Christmas, do they? But the, the reality is that, that we've got negative rates in large parts of the world, and the Fed has included negative rates in the adverse right. stress test scenario published 28th of January. I was shocked in America last week, Tom. I think I might, I might have told you that um, most of the people I met hadn't actually read the 10 or 12 pages of Fed stress test. Uh, under Dodd-Frank, and that tells you all you need to know. Really? It'll never happen
3: to us. Yeah, it'll never happen to us.
7: Well, the the, the, the Fed gets it. They've got the scenarios. They just can't come out and say it directly.
3: What will happen, (laughs) Steve, what will happen to our listeners in their fixed income instruments if we drive to greater negative rates, if we test the theory?
7: Well, it says to me, don't let go of duration. Because if you sell your long-dated bonds. You might have trouble getting them back later on. Mm-hmm. So you, you hang on to, to longer-dated securities with good duration. And I think that we have to be agnostic how we look at duration. Um, rather than saying, I can't buy that bond because the yield's too low, look at the bond as being a zero coupon. Think about it for its duration. Now, instead of getting income, you go elsewhere, for income. And you, and you have to take risk, but you, t- but you do it in a kind of barbell approach. Now, I think some portfolio managers are now understanding this, that you need to keep your duration intact, but you take risk abroad. You go to emerging market, uh, local government bonds. You've, maybe you start looking at high yield. Uh, heaven forbid, COCOs, I don't know. <laughs> but you look at uh, a range of instruments that give you yield to complement the high-quality product that gives you duration, and that's still government bonds. You know, can, can anybody make a plausible argument for government bond yields to go up in the next few months? I mean, there are probably a few out there, but are they plausible?
2: Stephen Major just says the first nice thing about (laughs) cocos the world has heard in a couple of weeks. (laughs) I want to ask you about Japan and whether or not uh, you've been talking about negative interest rates. There's been a lot of talk about whether the Bank of Japan is going to have to do something given the fact that the yen has not responded to negative interest rates or not responded Mm. in the way they would like it to.
7: Yeah, we we uh, looked at this quite closely back in November. I did a paper with Janet Henry, our chief economist here, and we called it quantitative exhaustion. And we looked at the various policy measures that could be taken next. So that includes further negative rates. And in, in that case, um, Japan is probably one year ahead of where we thought they'd be. So the IOER was plus 10. It's now moving to negative territory for the margins. Uh, so... So the next step after going into deeper negative territory uh, might be helicopter money Mm -hmm. at some point. And uh, if if there's scope in other parts of the world, there could be looser fiscal policy, um, like in the Eurozone in some parts, for example. But but helicopter money is is a weird one. Um, An economist Mm -hmm. would say that that means you have to increase the base money without increasing the, the stock of government debt. But the thing is, in Japan, you've already got both government debt at high levels and base money up. So if you start to cancel some of the government debt, you leave the reserves and the money in the system. So therefore, you've well. actually created a helicopter. Now, I don't know whether that's going to happen. I'm not saying it is going to happen. But if you look at the, the, the next stage of unconventional policy, right. if you assume that we just continue along this path, you're know, absent a, mirac- a, a miraculous recovery something else will probably have okay. to happen. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if debt forgiveness or cancellation starts
3: happening. Stephen Major, thank you so much for taking time out. A hellacious schedule for Steve Major and a huge demand uh, with HSBC, 1.68% in the yield. Major's uh, long-term call has been 1.50. Thanks to Bob Sinch for pointing out a very important article. Andrea Wong writing for Bloomberg News. I will put it out on all social Five-decade market pro who called the bond rally. That can only mean Gary Schilling. A must-read on Gary Schilling. I'll get that out. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance.
2: Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Flushing Bank. Open a complete business checking account with $15,000 or more and get a free 16-gig Wi-Fi tablet. Visit FlushingBank.com for details. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Good morning at 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keen. We're about two hours away from the start of trading. Some corporate news you may want to pay attention to this morning. CBS, first financial results after billionaire Sumner Redstone resigned as chairman. Higher fourth quarter income and better uh, th- and profits that match. 92 cents a share revenue grew uh, to $3.91 billion. That surpassed analyst estimates of $3.8 billion. Uh, Commerce Bank shares are up this morning by 16%. Fourth quarter profit beating analyst estimates. Good news from a European bank for a change. And Pandora Media shares. They dropped more than 5% yesterday after the Internet Radio Service reported fourth quarter revenue missing analyst estimates. However, they they are up by seven-tenths of a percent in early trading today. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael?
5: Thank you very much, Mike. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders squared off in the last night's Democratic presidential debate. Clinton took a swipe at Sanders for criticizing President Obama. Sanders responded by saying he wasn't the one who ran against him in 2008. Sanders on PBS also pledged to take on the nation's biggest firms. I think if Teddy Roosevelt
3: were alive today... That great trust buster would have said, break them up.
5: Meanwhile, Clinton and Sanders says that, according to Clinton, that his Medicare plan for all won't work.
1: The numbers don't add up, and many people will actually be worse off than they are right now.
5: The debate was held in Milwaukee. Defense Secretary Ash Carter says the United Arab Emirates has agreed to send special forces soldiers to Syria to help local Sunni Arab fighters. Meanwhile, diplomats from the U.S. and Russia will lead a group meeting today to work out the delivery of humanitarian aid to Syria's besieged areas. Diplomats also agreed to a temporary halt of hostilities. A rookie New York City police officer could face as much as 15 years in prison following yesterday's manslaughter conviction for the fatal shooting of an unarmed man in a dark stairwell. The courtroom audience gasped and Officer Peter Liang broke into tears. Global News 24 hours a day powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike?
2: Thank you, Michael. Now it's time for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stashower. John?
1: All right, Mike. Three local hockey teams are all kind of bunched together, separated by just six points. They all hope to make the postseason. The night after the Rangers won their fourth in a row, the Islanders made it three straight by a combined 16-5. to Barclays Center, three goals in a 14-minute span of the first period. They beat the L.A. Kings 5-2. to John Tavares is 20th goal.
3: They're a proven Stanley Cup champion and um, having a very good season at this point. I think we don't respect
2: everyone that we play, but uh, you know we're gonna have to be at our best, uh, um, you know, obviously to have success and, and be able to get uh, the job done, which I thought we did a good job from start to finish.
1: Kings play the Rangers tonight at the Garden. NBA's hit the All-Star break. Carmelo Anthony will be among those playing Sunday night in Toronto. Kristaps Porzingis is in the Rising Stars game tonight. College hoops: the nation's longest win streak belongs to the Sea Wolves of Stony Brook, 17 in a row since mid-December five fifty two 52 at Maryland, Baltimore County, Manhattan beat Quinnipiac 84 77. Syracuse made it four straight wins, seven of the last eight, 85 72 over Florida State. Yukon blew a 12 point lead in the last six minutes and lost at Temple 63 58. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashower.
2: Thank you, John. Right now, we are looking at gold prices that are dropping rapidly off by $10, 8 tenths of a percent to 1238. Copper prices, 20265, however, are up $2, uh, 1% gain on the day. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Welcome back to Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene on a day when market sentiment has turned, at least in the pre-market hours here in New York. S&P futures are up by 20 points, 1%. It's a 1% gain for Dow futures. They're up 149 points right now, and NASDAQ futures higher by 6. That's a 2.1% gain on the day. It's time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM Report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, partnering with government and industry to apply the university's world-class research assets to innovate and spur economic growth. Learn more at njit.edu. Here's John Tucker. Well, Michael AT&T
8: is joining the mobile speed race with Verizon Communications Outlining plans for faster wireless technology to meet the increasing demand for sports, movies, and even smartphone access to home appliances. AT&T has picked Ericsson and Intelis as its first two development partners for 5G, ultra-fast wireless network technology, that will pick up where today's 4G or fourth generation left off. This according to a statement today. Bill Maris, founder of Google Ventures, has a purse full of Alphabet's cash and a mandate to spend it on big ideas. Having made a name in tech investments, he now wants his firm to be known as a big player in healthcare and biotech. Rebranded as GV in December, the Venture Capital Fund has $2.4 billion under management. Last year, about a third of its investments were in healthcare, care. And that is today's Bloomberg NJIT's STEM report. Michael.
2: Thank you, John. Well, we've been talking about negative interest rates and how they are working and affecting markets around the world. Somebody who's just put out a new research paper on that very subject is Mickey Levy. He's chief U.S. economist at Barenberg Bank. And, uh, Mickey, this morning um, we're looking at the yen stronger again, 112.81. You have to ask, do negative interest rates really work the way central bankers are hoping they will?
9: Not necessarily, Mike. Um, When we think about negative rates that central banks are imposing, uh, that is, um, charging banks for leaving deposits at the central bank, um, it conveys a negative perspective on where the economy might be going. Also, by suggesting that rates could go more deeply negative, Uh, it deters, uh, households and businesses from borrowing, thinking they can borrow at cheaper rates going forward. So here we're in this situation where for Oh, so long, uh, central banks um, have been trying to stimulate their economies, like the, like the U.S. Fed, by keeping rates uh, very, very artificially low and bond yields really low, and it just hasn't worked. And I think one of the things that's adding to the uncertainty in markets is, are people finally coming to the conclusion that, gee, central banks cannot solve everybody's, pro- everybody's problems?
2: Well, uh, why is Wall Street then so fixated on the idea of whether the Fed will go to uh, negative rates?
9: Well, once again, one has to think through uh, whether it would really help. We've had – Quantitative easing and zero rates up until recently on the on the federal funds rate for five six years and it hasn't stimulated the economy. Meanwhile, um, you have a wide array of uh, regulatory burdens that are inhibiting banks from uh, the the credit process. So they've gummed up the credit channels and the monetary channels um, and As the market is is telling us, the the negative rates are just distinctly uh, negative for the prospects for banks, and and so, um, you know, the Fed's macro model and the same for the ECBs, they they really don't capture some of the uh, not only the psychological issues involved with negative rates but but they also uh, do not capture the regulatory burdens that have gummed up the, not only the credit process, but inhibited businesses from uh, expanding for the future. And you see these this web of regulations and tax policies that are just bottling up the economy. And so you add this up and say, gee, um, may, maybe uh, central banks are, are pressing too hard and trying to extend their policies way beyond their capabilities.
2: Well, at this point, uh, does – the Fed have any other stimulate, stimulative options, should they need them?
9: Not that many, because, Mike, let me, let me just be very clear here. Um, the, the economy for the Fed, for the U.S. economy has been growing, you know, at a disappointing but moderate rate for six years. Um, what has inhibited it from growing faster? It certainly hasn't been Fed policy. Rates have been ridiculously low. And you have to look elsewhere. And so I think people are, over the last handful of years, have put too much focus on the Fed being able to stimulate things. We know. More QE and low rates, that doesn't generate permanent jobs and doesn't, it it just doesn't work. And I think the the realization may finally be setting in. So rather than thinking about what's in the Fed's toolbox, I would much rather have um, global portfolio managers and global policymakers say, gee, what are the real sources of the disappointing economic performance, and then let's address those sources of the problems with the appropriate tools, be they fiscal or regulatory.
2: Well, we'll continue our conversation with Mickey Levy and get at the point of whether we need additional Fed tools or fiscal tools or whether the economy is actually not doing all that badly. We'll get some data at 8.30 this morning, including retail sales. We'll have that for you here as well on Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting you down to the opening bell, brought to you by the refined Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland. It continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Jeep, the official vehicle of Killington Resort.
0: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
6: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. U.S. stock index futures are advancing in line with European equities and oil prices, indicating the S&P 500 will snap its longest losing streak since September. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P e-mini futures are up 17 points. Dow e-mini futures up 128. And NASDAQ e-mini futures up 34. The DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. 10-year Treasury down 9.30 seconds. The yield 1.68%. NYMEX crude oil is up 4.9% or $1.29 to $27.50 a barrel. COMEX Gold is down 0.8% or $9.80 to $12.38 an ounce. The Euro, $1.1266. $1, the Yen, 112.77. dollars 77 Banks, which have been the biggest source of pain for U.S. stocks in the market's latest route, are rebounding in early New York trading. J.P. Morgan Chase is up more than 3.5% after Chairman and Chief Executive Jamie Dimon spent $26.6 million on shares. Bank of America is up more than 2% and Citigroup and Goldman Sachs are both up around 2%. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
2: Karen Mosco, thank you very much. What is the outlook for the U.S. economy? We get some data at 8.30 that may give us some clues. We'll get some inflation data with import prices, and then we find out whether Americans spent money on stuff, retail sales come out at 830 as well. Consumer Confidence, 10 o'clock this morning. People will be watching that as well. Mickey Levy is chief economist at Berenberg Capital Markets. We were talking earlier about uh, tools the Fed may have in case it needs to stimulate the economy. Your view has been that that's not really what's necessary, at least uh, over the short to medium term.
9: It's not only my view today, it's been my view for years. Um, once again, the Fed has uh, uh, implemented quantitative easing, uh, zero interest rates for five, six years, and nominal GDP, that is uh, current dollar spending in the economy, hasn't accelerated above 4%. There are other factors that are inhibiting economic growth. Um, fiscal policies, regulatory policies, not just in finance, but in non-financial industries. So what we need to do is we need to say, okay, there are certain tools in the Fed's toolbox that can stimulate aggregate demand, but there are other uh, economic policy tools that need to be put to work here to lift the gray cloud hanging over the economy, Um, corporate tax reform, Uh, changing some regulatory policies, Um, added uh, mandatory costs to businesses of conducting business. These types of things would go a long way, and until they're adjusted, um, all the monetary stimulus in the Uh, world isn't going to stimulate.
3: Mickey Levy, you are at the Council on Foreign Relations uh, Confab with the vice chairman. Um, I thank you for being well-mannered and not throwing a muffin or a roll at uh, Stanley Fisher Um I've been rereading one of the jewels of the financial crisis which is Robert Skidelsky Keynes the return of the master and permeating Lord Skidelsky's work is a study of the single word uncertainty is this a fed cognizant of the uncertainty that vice chairman Fisher talked about or are they so wedded to a orthodox or heterodox theory that they can't even see or gauge the
9: level of uncertainties that are out there. Yes, Tom, I, I think the Fed is aware of a lot of the uncertainties. But I think where the Fed um, um, is falling a little short here is it continues impl- implicit in its macro models, implicit in what it's saying, is mm-hmm. it's using fairly standard Uh, economic orthodoxy that, oh, just keep rates low and bond yields artificially low and keep excess liquidity in the system and the economy will turn around. And I think what they need to do, even when we look at the credit channels in banks, is, is ask serious questions. Why why isn't the supply of credit no, more forthcoming, even in the mortgage market? It, and this gets to regulatory issues, no, not monetary I agree. I,
3: I mean, Mickey, this is to your point in the school of thought. Your mom, I think, of Marvin Goodfriend and Carnegie Mellon. and that, And Mike, <coughs> excuse me, folks. It speaks to your decades of reporting in the Fed where Janet Yellen or whoever – just says, we're done. We can't do it all. This is what we're going to do, communicate the message and literally go to the nation through Congress, through the president and say, you guys have to start participating.
2: Mike, we haven't seen that. You're getting to the heart of the uh, argument that Mohammad Alaryan is making in his new book now the only game in town that. Uh, That's that what's was, where I got the argument. You think, was I, the, you think I thought that <laughs> up myself? <laughs> oh, I'm giving you credit. I mean, that was the way things worked, but it hasn't been over the last uh, six, seven years. Central banks have not said we're done. That's all we can do, because the fiscal authorities have gone missing. They've basically uh, said, "Well, we got to figure out what we can do next." So. Do you see any signs, Mickey, that they will get to that point, the T-junction that Muhammad is talking about, that they will back off, that fiscal authorities will step in, or is this the world that we're going to be living in?
9: Okay, so we see um, Mario Draghi, uh, head of the European Central Bank, be, be much more forthcoming than the Fed and saying, "Listen, monetary policy is only providing the the, um, the financial backstop, but it can't solve all the problems. And our problems are homegrown by the different nations in Europe. Their 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 tax and regulatory policies. The problem for the U.S." is since the Fed is chartered by the Congress and the Congress is putting tremendous pressure on the Fed from both the, the the left and the right for various reasons, the Fed would be very reticent to go up to Congress and say, we can't do anymore. more. Uh, you have to address fiscal policy. You have to address um, how we allocate national resources and the whole web of regulatory because the fear of the Fed is Congress may say, oh, if you can't do any more, we're going to review your charter. So, so I, they're I, I, if they oh, do, Damn if they don't, though. Uh, to, to, whatever anybody thinks. Our,
3: our, what do we have, 42 listeners?
2: Uh, is it 42 or 43? Well, that depends on whether the car started uh, this morning and uh, you know, your uncle was able to. My uncle was able to on. get
3: in. Yeah. Okay, so let's say there's 50 opinions listening to this show. Whatever we think, we've had a, a set of crises. This week we had a mini or a sorta or a kinda like or a real crisis. However you want to phrase it, my only rhetorical question, Mike, is when do monetary authorities just simply say we can't do more, and I didn't hear that from Chair Yellen.
2: Well, and you're not hearing it from Mr. Levy either. I mean, part of the problem is is
9: they they don't feel they can do that. Well, I think part of the problem or challenge is I think most Fed members um, tend toward um, activist monetary policy, and they actually think they can do more. And once again, if you look at the intricacies of the Fed's own macro model that is a major driving force. Implicit in that is um, equations and the like that encourage them to do more. Um, the model is, is inadequately captures the regulatory web that's tying things in knots. And so then they turn turn instead to, okay, so let's keep rates low. Maybe we should even consider negative rates without thinking of the negative psychological effects
2: of that. This was actually a topic, how macro models adapt to financial developments at Jackson Hole last year. Uh, Are we allowed to
3: cite boring macro papers on Friday? Sure. sure. I thought um, that was a because, William White thing. We did that on Wednesday. Well,
2: we did well twice a week. This is a special deal for Valentine's Day. Okay,
3: but but my point is if we take Marvin Goodfriend out of Richmond, Carnegie Mellon, highly esteemed, and if we take Lord Skidelsky out of Columbia, highly esteemed, Mickey Levy, the Venn diagram or the Valentine, looking at Valentine beer, good morning everyone, Valentine ale, they overlap. There's a lot of agreement. Between schools of thought like Mickey Levy and name the leftists on the left. My point is the common ground of monetary economics has done enough. And part of what we've seen this week is the exhaustion of good people doing good theory to try to do too
9: much. No, what we 've seen this week is not the exhaustion it 's the market 's perception that oh, maybe they can 't do more fair but but think about the following: The Fed always talks about its toolbox and the Fed, through its forward guidance, and look at what the BOJ did. They, they lowered rates at minus 10 basis points, but, but BOJ Governor Kuroda says, oh, and there's no limit to how negative we can make rates go. Um, um, the, 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 the central banks around the world are leading the markets to believe that they're capable of stimulating. Okay, we got 20 seconds. And, are and, they? And markets... Buy that? Are they? Do did the, did the banks no. capable? No. And and I think I, I think. Enough's enough, and the the economy could really get jump started if we had okay. a few shifts in fiscal and regulatory. Dr. Policies.
3: Levy, thank you so much with Berenberg Capital Markets. This has been a fabulous conversation. Thank you for the many notes and tweets that we've gotten out on this. I mean, just, you know, it's sort of been a Friday after a wild week. Granted, green on the screen, a little fragile now, but nevertheless, a better tape as we bring you another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.